We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. We've talked about how people can come out of dating fatigue, because we hear that all the time. And also, people want to know how they can date better and more effectively. But we haven't so much touched upon this idea of dating deeper. And what does that really mean? Because I think with the guests we've talked to before, it's about how do I gauge my interest in this person? How do I gauge their interest in me? How do I plan a really fabulous date? But I think in modern dating, we're just not giving each other enough time because it's all about that swipe, that like, that instant gratification. And we are honestly so lost at how to even judge a dating situation. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, at least for me, it's like when you've taken that step back and looked inwards, how does that change the way you date? Not just all these external factors. Absolutely. And before I introduce our guest who is patiently waiting for his (laughs) intro, he's like, okay, guys, get to it. But do you remember a time when maybe you met someone and then there wasn't much of an interest in the beginning? Mm -hmm. And after a certain amount of time, they start becoming more attractive to you or you find qualities about them that you find really intriguing. Yes, Do you for okay. sure. Me too. And I, I think about those times and how unfortunate it would have been if I didn't have that elongated time to get to know this person. Because if I if I had just met them on a dating app, I probably no. would have gone on a second date with them, unfortunately. Or maybe even a first date. Or even a first date. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. So there are so many missed opportunities out there. And that's what we want to talk about today is this 
idea of deeper dating. What does that mean? So I'm introducing Ken Page. Hi, Ken. Thanks for being patient. <laughs> Hi. So glad to be here. Thank you. I love what you said. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it because I need your approval in what, <laughs> what we're talking about today. Ken Page is a licensed clinical social worker, renowned psychotherapist, and a leading voice of hope and wisdom for everyone seeking to find and cultivate healthy, lasting love. He is the host of the Deeper Dating Podcast and author of the bestseller, Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. Ken's also a popular psychology today and HuffPo blogger. He's been featured in O Magazine, New York Times, Cosmo, J-Day, and more. He's 62 years old. He lives in Long Beach, New York with his husband and children. Wow, that was a mouthful. So, <laughs> and dog and cats. <laughs> dog and cats too. Ken is quoted as saying, I was single, chronically single for decades and passionately committed myself to finding out why that was and changing it. What I learned led me to a life that is much, much richer in love, romantic, and otherwise. Define what chronically single means. Oh, God. Okay, so I was one of those people that, like, I couldn't go away. I live in New York. I lived in New York then. I couldn't go away for the weekend because I felt like I'd be missing opportunities to find my Mr. Right. Mm. I couldn't go away for a weekend. I, I, I was obsessively seeking love in bars, sex clubs, on the street. Uh, there were no dating apps at that time. We were talking about like uh, phone lines and a million other different ways too. For many, many years, six weeks was my marker for the longest I ever, ever got with anybody before things ended. Six fucking weeks. How long were you like chronically single with six weeks being your longest relationship? Like how many years are we talking? I guess I hit the one year mark with someone when I was 30 and then the three year mark when I was 40. When I was, I guess, let's see, a little older than that, just a couple years older, I met my husband and we've been together now almost nine years. So when you say you were chronically single, you actually mean you were a serial dater. That's what it sounds like without getting into relationships. And, and I don't really <laughs> think I had that many. No, I had a lot of dates. I think serial dater sounds more like something really happened in these relationships. <laughs> It was like, you know, maybe two times or three times. And I, I was doing so much wrong. I actually started a support group for chronically single shrinks because there are so many of us. We we all tend to have like, you know, attachment issues, which is why we do the work we do. You know, our, our fascination with problematic attachment styles. That changed my life. That really changed my life. And I was committed to growing. But it is not like I wasn't trying for those yeah. decades. I tried so hard to find love. I never stopped trying. And I failed and failed and failed and failed and failed. So what would happen after the six-week mark? Like, Why do you think six weeks was like the time when it ended? Well, in retrospect, I can see some of those reasons. One reason is, and this is like kind of the deeper part, this is what I have learned. If you're ashamed of the most sensitive, vulnerable, precious, deep down parts of you, you're going to have bad relationships again and again. Mm. The degree to which we're ashamed of those parts of ourselves is the degree to which we're going to be sexually and romantically attracted to people who aren't good for us. The degree to which we dignify those parts of ourselves is the degree to which we kind of radiate something different and we lose our taste for people that chip away at our sense of self-worth and we find people who love us for who we are. This is like the deeper physics of dating. And this is so important because people talk about like, the search for love, the whole dating advice thing is so much about like, well, when you find your relationship, you can do the deeper, deeper intimacy work. Or when you have children, you can do deep, rich relationship work with them or all these things. But nobody says, nobody acknowledges that there is a vast amount of learning about the deepest lessons of intimacy that you can have and should have and need to have in your dating life. So the thing is like, you just do whatever the hell you need to do to find your one so that you can begin your life. And it is not like that at all. Your search for love is supposed to be a big ass journey into <laughs> self-discovery. It's a journey that never ends, yeah. even after you found love. And this is such yes. an interesting conversation, a very timely conversation we're having now because I was speaking to a friend of mine and we said, isn't it funny as human beings, we depend on milestones or external changes 
for something major to happen. We say stuff like, "Oh, it's springtime, love is in the air," or、right. "It's a new year, new things are, are about to happen." We so depend on external factors to change our own situation when we are the ones in control of how we can change our situation.、Totally. It's so true. It's so true. So, what was your like aha moment that something had to change, like going from this chronically single place? Um, I remember walking with my friend Mindy in the city and bemoaning my singlehood once again. <laughs> and she, she's really smart, and she just looked at me. She said, "Ken, I know why you're single, and so do you." And I said, "No, Mindy, I really, really don't. I don't. Why?" And she said, "Because you don't go to events where you're going to meet people who share your values. You go to like bars and clubs、mm. and online and、uh, like you know telephone lines and all of that." <laughs> And I said, "Shut up," <laughs> because I didn't want to hear it. I did not want to hear it. I mean, I, I, I said, "Yeah, I guess so," but I just felt like none of the attractive people were going to be there. And I somehow had this picture of what was exciting and what was a turn on. And unfortunately, that was someone who was kind of bad for me. So that was one aha moment. Although I kind of swallowed it and went on. I would say the deepest aha moment was when I began therapy, being in therapy, and kind of doing some personal growth work. And I realized that, like, I was very ambitious with my work. I was ambitious with school. I was ambitious with my insane dating life. But I was so busy that I wasn't feeling this kind of gaping loneliness underneath. Mm. And when I slowed down enough to feel it, that was a revelation, and it hurt, but it changed me, and it made me realize that I was so busy looking for love that I was doing nothing to build love, nothing.、Mm. And I realized I had to change that. I had to start building love, and that's when my world really started to change. And it took years before I met my husband. It was a long, long journey. But those were some of the marker points that were really big. And I'll share another one too. Okay. Which is、um, the thing, and I think maybe a lot of people will relate. And I'm really curious if if you relate this thing of you meet somebody, you're attracted, you like them. It seems like they like you. All is good. You're excited. Potential. And then after a little bit of time, you realize that they are really decent. Like they're not going to surprise you with crap. They're not going to be like a roller coaster ride, and that they just are like available. They want to hang out with you, and they like you, and they want to be with you, and they're interested. And all of a sudden, your interest plummets. Mm. That's what I call the wave of distancing. I don't. Have、mm. you ever experienced that? Because it ate up my life for decades. Absolutely, we've talked about this before. It's just how you perceive what achievement means. I think、mm. we see it in our workplace. We see it in life, where we feel like there needs to be a little bit of conflict or a tumultuous period for you to feel the achievement in obtaining something or someone. So if everything goes as planned and it's smooth, you feel like you haven't really achieved. That person, it's just that person just fell in your lap. So you kind of think there's got to be something wrong. Well, there's something like people value what they have to work for. Yeah, yeah. It's like a subconscious thing. Yeah, yeah. That's all true, but but the thing is that the people you have to like work for usually are people who are not really so. <laughs> They are the worst, Ken. They、right. are the、That's, worst. It's always the tumultuous <laughs> relationships. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 I had this worse than anybody I knew. I remember. Being in second grade, I experienced this first in second grade. There was this boy that I was trying to be pals with. I thought he was really cool, and I fight. I worked really hard to get him to like me and become a pal. <laughs> Then he was interested in hanging out with me, and I remember this is how bad I had it. I remember thinking, "Ugh, ugh, ugh." Now I'm going to have to like not hang out with him because I've lost all interest. Wow. Do you think that's like avoidant behavior patterns to the T? Like it seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and 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 what that is, and I've spoken to Arthur Aaron about that, who's a brilliant researcher and the subject of love and attraction, and and he said that those of us who don't love ourselves, the less we kind of like have a kind of general feeling of love for ourselves, the more likely we are to have that happen with people、hmm. who love us. We just、oh, we can. That is interesting. I think that really resonates with a lot of people, and especially what you said earlier about you felt so ambitious in your life, in your career. In everything, and you felt like ambitious in your dating life, but you weren't doing anything to work towards finding love. You were just 
doing things to find love, but not working on it. And I think a lot of our、right. listeners would definitely relate to that because many people are very ambitious in their careers, in their personal lives, and they would say they're very ambitious in their dating lives by going on multiple dates a week、mm-hmm. and always being、mm-hmm. on the sites and you know being out there. But they're not working on that internal love. And when you don't know what it's like to feel love and to love yourself, that you don't know what it's like to love someone else too. So when you have someone that's super interested in you, that you feel this like what was it the wave of distancing? Is that what you called yeah, it? Yeah. So like, would I guess I can think of it two ways? Is one is what you just said, like I don't know what love feels like, so、mm. I this is too much and overwhelming, and I want to avoid it. And the second is like maybe for whatever reason you're just not that into this person or attracted to them. How do you like decipher between the two,、yeah. and like how do you overcome this wave? Yeah, I feel like I'm actually going to be able to give instructions in、oh, how、good. to handle step by step. Let's take notes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm an expert in it. I mean, <laughs> I even had it with my husband, and and that was surprising. But but、I'll, let me answer this first, and then I'll tell that because it's a kind of funny story. But this is what I have discovered as a horrible victim of the wave endlessly. It's like a wave. Like when I quit smoking cigarettes, I would get hit by waves of having to smoke, and they didn't just feel like, oh, I want a cigarette. They felt like down to my bones, I am the person who is meant to have a cigarette right now. It's wrong not to have a cigarette. I need this cigarette. I, it's me to have this cigarette. That's how it felt. And if I didn't smoke, that wave would break. It would crash and it would disappear, and I would find that I was okay again. And my desire, my fierce desire, went away. Well, the thing about this wave of distancing is that it's a wave of fear. And so, this is what you do when it hits. If you can do this, you do not force yourself to be more intimate than you want to be, because that's like suffocation. And you willfully, you willfully, if you do that, like maybe you're feeling this with someone, and and he or she says. Oh, let's like have this really like great long like three hour dinner at this restaurant, and you feel like, uh, no, 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 I'm not ready for this. But maybe you feel like I could go to a movie with her or him and hold hands. I could do that. That would be fun. Go for a walk in the park. That would be cool. Bring our dog out to play. I could do all of that, and I won't get too freaked out. I won't get suffocated. That's what you do because what part? There, there, there are a few things that make us fall into the wave. It's a fear of being seen. In other words, shame. It's a fear of being abandoned, and when you meet someone available, that's the scariest thing of all. So your psyche jumps in and says, "Nah, not so good, not so good," because you know you're really at risk. So the first thing you do is you don't suffocate yourself. You don't force yourself to do anything you don't want to do. The second thing you do is is something you don't do. You don't flee. Don't flee. Give yourself space. But don't flee. Do something fun with this person. Connect, and here's what's going to happen: if miracle of miracles, the wave will crash and break and go away, and you'll be like your feelings come back, and with that, you'll have a better sense of is this person right for you or not. But it's not easy because that period where the wave is hitting, it's like oh, it's the last thing you want to do in the world is be near that person. So that's the solution, and you'll know really quick if they're right for you or not. You really will. If you could do this, so the key word there is wave. You want to wait out the wave and、you、see what wait happens. Out the wave, and、That's、after、right. the wave, those feelings may come back, or you may no longer have feelings、yeah. for that person. I love、That's、that because、right. I feel like sometimes in the past too, I've said like no to something too quickly, like because、yeah, that、well. was my instinct for whatever reason. So I think what I've been trying to do like recently is like let me get back to you or like let me confirm. At this time, so I'm not like leading someone on, but like if I'm feeling that and like letting a day or two sit and like see how I come out, and if I'm still feeling like、good、I really don't think it's good to see this person, then I don't. And if it's like actually like my mind has changed, then I'll go. Yeah. You gotta sleep on it. I think the same goes for the reverse. People have had amazing dates with someone, and the next day realize they had no feelings for that person.、Yeah. It's very circumstantial, and so you have to let that wave ride out and、mm-hmm. really, really feel what you're feeling. Yes, and the miracle is it passes. You wouldn't think it passes when you're in the middle of it. You wouldn't think it does, but it does. Like, how did you identify that this was a wave? Like, after all these years of kind of like fleeing and not knowing what to do, like, how did you get to this place of recognizing it? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And the thing that I want to say about that is none of us are taught about this in any direct way. We're just taught like generic fear of intimacy, which I have to say, fear of intimacy is not intimacy is not a pathology. It's being human. If you're breathing, you have fear of intimacy. The only question is, do you know you have fear of intimacy? And what do you Mm. do with it? That's just the way it is. But um, that's a whole other kind of big thing. But but so for me, this is like a kind of cool story. So I met somebody on a on a phone line. And um how does that work? <laughs> how did that work back yeah. then? Yeah, we're so curious. <laughs> Please Sorry, bring we're us gonna, back. We're gonna derail this combo yeah. for a few bring minutes. Us back because I think we gotta be there with you. How does this phone line dating work? Well okay so the way it works is you call a number and uh somebody comes on the phone. And it's this guy, whoever the guy is. It's kind of really crude, but it's very kind of like it's not too different than Tinder. Um, It's a little (laughs) different. It's worse. So somebody talks, you hear their voice, you don't like their voice, you press pound. Oh, my God. And then they're gone. And you can press pound or whatever it is that you press. I forget. Anytime you want. They could be in the middle of sharing the deepest thing. You could be in the middle of phone sex. Uh, it's like MTV <laughs> Next. Just like is this was this something that heterosexual couples did too? I don't know. I don't know. I'm so curious about phone lines now. So you could be like, and then I take out my big cock and I beep, and then you're gone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I sad. feel like that totally happens on Tinder nowadays. You're like messaging, and all of a sudden you're unmatched. Like. Same thing, right? It's just you don't get the beep, the click. You don't get the beep. You don't get to actually be in the middle of words and communication. Maybe Tinder should add that feature. (laughs) It's Yeah, it's really, it's really, you know, but I want to say something else about that, which is part of the reason we're seduced out of doing the deeper work is there's always another person on the phone. There's always another person to swipe. And that seduces us out of doing the real work because we think, no, it'll be like the next one or the next Mm -hmm. one after that. But if we don't do the work, the same stuff is going to happen. But so (laughs) I met this guy. He had a really sexy, wonderful, gorgeous voice. And, um, and we talked and we talked and we had phone sex and we connected and then we kept talking afterwards and we just kept talking and sharing. And um, we talked like that and had this kind of like romantic relationship for a few weeks. And then we decided we were going to meet. And it was big. This was really big because I felt like I had fallen in love with him. So I met him in a restaurant. I saw him and my heart sunk. It sunk so bad. He reeked of cologne. He had these thick gold chains on. Oh no. And he was a little kind of shocking looking, like scary looking. And I felt like, oh no, this was going to be my relationship. We had touched souls and we had, we had, we had gone so deep and it was so beautiful. I just felt horrible horrible. And I knew this was it. Sat down, talked with him for a while. And then I said, I just need to use the bathroom because I needed to get away. And I needed to know how I was going to like get out of there after we had like shared souls. So I went into the bathroom, I washed my hands and I closed my eyes and I said, how do I really feel now? And I was stunned by the answer. The answer was, I feel happy. I feel warm. And I like this guy. Oh, how did you get there? I'm just, wow. I'll tell you how. I'll teach That's you a very how. short way, man. <laughs> okay, so just go to the bathroom and come back to your date. Basically. It's one of the coolest dating tricks I know. It really is. But so I did that and I'll explain how in a minute. But okay. so I did that and I realized I felt grateful that I met him. And I went back and I sat down and his chains were still there and his Elizabeth Taylor cologne for men was still there and and (laughs) he was still him and I had gotten through the wave this was a mindset Uh, shift it was a mindset shift that was one time that it happened that was a really really powerful time and just to tell you a story about a dear friend of mine his name is David Schechter he's a, a Broadway lyricist and brilliant amazing person he met a guy on a phone line and he had the same thing happen and but he really fell in love with this guy and he said I know that when I meet you you're not going to be my type so he's a theater person he's like this progressive theater person he did this thing he said I'm going to come and meet you and I'm going to wear a mask 
And I'm going to leave that mask on so I can hear your voice and not be distracted by the way you look, which oh. I don't think is exactly my type. He wore a mask for a month. A month? Oh, my God. A month. Every date they oh had, he had the mask on. They had sex. They <gasps> ate. They drank. They did everything, but he wore the mask. And then one day, he looked at him and he said, I'm ready. <gasps> and he took off the mask. And he was ready. Oh, my and God. And the guy wasn't his type, but they were in love. And they were together until that guy died. Oh. <gasps> Wow. Wow. I'm blown away. What happened with your guy? Like, how, did you guys date for a while? My real guy? My husband? No, no, no. The guy. That, your gold chains guy. The gold guy. chains guy. Oh, the gold chains guy. We dated for a number of months. Okay. I struggled because I wasn't that attracted to him for all the reasons I mentioned. But I, like, loved him. And he was also kind of hot in a particular kind of tough guy way. So <laughs> there was something, but not enough. I made a decision. I kind of made a decision that if this guy was right for me, I had to make this work. Because in some weird way, to some degree, after a certain period of time, I think attraction is a choice. Like, not mm. right away, but after a while. I think it actually, mm. more than we realize that it's a choice. And I I decided I was going to really open up to him. And I did. And when I did that, it became really clear that it wasn't going to be a match because he had a drinking problem. Okay. So you still gave it a shot though. Like I think it wasn't like it ended just because you weren't attracted to him. There were other factors. I broke through my wave and I would have continued to break through it. And I think it would have worked. And that was an, a miracle to me because I thought this was impermeable, impenetrable, unchangeable. And then I met my husband and I loved him so much from the beginning. I was so attracted to him, so into him. And I remember writing in my journal, maybe the wave is like someone's not right for me because yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to have a wave with this man. I think I just no one else was right for me. But sure enough, when he really became available, I lost interest and the wave hit me and it hit me so bad. So bad that I thought I was going to lose this guy who, like, mm. when the wave wasn't hitting, I wanted to marry. When the wave was hitting, I wanted to flee. It was really bad. How did you and your husband meet a phone line? No, no. <laughs> we met We met the real way, and I got bullied into meeting him. And this is something I teach in my book, and I taught in my classes, but I wasn't really doing. My mother said to me, go to the gay family week, because I adopted a child as a single dad. She said, you want a guy who loves being a dad or is a dad? Like, go. And I said, no, everybody's couple there. And then another friend of mine uh, who's very pushy and very wonderful, she kind of literally backed me into her screen door and she said, you are going. And I said, okay, because I love her and she's like really smart. And so I went and I met Greg there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you said mm. two things that you think attributed to this chronic singleness. One, that you were going to the wrong places, which it sounded like you went to the right place and met your husband. And then two, that you kind of identified this feeling of avoidance in this wave and you learned how to conquer it. Was there anything else that you kind of identified as? Oh, what a great question. Let's whisk you away for a quick minute into the world of Audible Escape, a monthly subscription that provides unlimited listening to thousands of love stories. If you love to listen to Dateable, you must love good stories. Audible Escape provides an abundance of amazing titles for you to choose from, and you don't need to be an existing Audible member to sign up. The book I've been really enjoying listening to is The Chance by the number one New York Times bestselling author Robin Carr. I just love small town romances about people with a dark past. So imagine having access access to see me stories like this and more with Audible Escape. Get unlimited listening to love stories for just $12.95 a month. And listen up, join the community and listen for free for one month. Download the app to explore all the love stories by visiting audible.com slash love dateable to get started. Now that's audible.com slash love D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Now back to the show. Was there anything else that you kind of identified as? Oh, what a great question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was. And what it was was that, and this is what I teach, and our deepest insecurities reveal our core gifts, our deepest gifts. And those gifts are the key to finding healthy love and keeping it. The parts of yourself that you're most embarrassed to share when you're getting close with someone, those are your core gifts. Those are the gold. Those are the places where you've built a layer of shame because they're so tender and vulnerable and they are the key. So for me, some of those attributes were an intensity and another, you know, an intensity of like in 
I'm intense, like I'm deep, like, you know, deeper dating, like a depth that freaks people out. And another quality is a tenderness of heart that I have, uh, a kind of fierceness and a tenderness of heart, both of which I got in a lot of trouble for and both of which I was kind of mortified by. Those are the parts that I had to learn to love and dignify and honor. And then when I did, I was able to meet someone who also was able to do that. And that's the deep, rich, powerful journey. The parts of yourself you feel the most vulnerable to reveal are the most beautiful, the most influential, and the most important parts of you. And is that the definition of deeper dating? That is. That's the foundation of deeper dating is the discovery of these parts that I call your core gifts. And they're the places where you feel life the most deeply, where you could be the most hurt and where you experience the most joy. They're like your soul. They're your soul. I love that. So there was something in your book that was said, lose weight, act confident, play hard to get. This approach to dating doesn't lead to love. It leads to insecurity and loneliness. Yeah. That really resonated. So can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much dating advice is about fix yourself, fix mm-hmm. yourself. And acting confident, which is a really big one, which I don't know. I don't think you get to act consistently confident and be authentic. It's ultimately a choice between authenticity and whatever the fuck you think you're supposed to be feeling or <laughs> acting like. You know, when we can kind of like in good ways, in healthy ways, reveal who we are, that like changes everything. That's changes everything. That is like a wiser path. Dating advice is so seductive. I always say like all these messages of self-improvement, they look like a really good thing, but they're really self-hate in a really sexy outfit because they come (laughs) down to I'm not good enough. I mean, honestly, I could not agree more. And I think that's actually like one of the reasons why we started this podcast, at least for me, is I think like I read a lot of these really bad dating books, like all self-help. Yeah. Like men like bitches or love bitches or something number one on Amazon for like years. Like games that you should play. And the power of pussy. I'm telling (laughs) you, that was number one and number two. I know. And like, honestly, for years when I read and like followed advice from those books, like nothing stuck past like a couple dates. It's all temporary. As soon as I was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to like be myself. That's like when I started attracting like real relationships. So I 110% believe that that stuff does not work. Because that's all superficial. It's just scratching the surface of what you put can put a Band-Aid over. Right. But you're not going deeper, deeper down beneath the skin to see what is the root of the problem. Yeah. I can think of, uh, in my lifetime, this one prime example of where I really experienced this deeper dating journey that you spoke of, mm-hmm. which was after college, I moved to a state that I try not to mention, but it was Connecticut. Julie knows <laughs> I have a thing for Connecticut. I'm not a big fan, but I remember just... Just being miserable. And that's when Match.com was first starting out. So I was on Match and I was trying to go on all these dates and I was feeling really fatigued. And I met someone on Match and on our first date, I felt absolutely no feelings for this person, no attraction to the point where I thought, oh my gosh, he'd be great for my best friend. So I walked away from that date thinking I was about to set him up with my best friend. I told her, I told her all about him. I you know, I said, you guys would be perfect together. She was very excited to meet him. So he and I agreed to meet up again. But to me, it was not under the context of dating. It was more like I was going to tell him about my girlfriend. And when I went in this context and I had all my walls down because I wasn't trying to impress this guy, I wasn't trying to think of all the self-help tips that I had in my mind. I was just being myself. And I remember in that dinner, I thought, oh my gosh, I am extremely attracted to him. I will not be setting him up with my best friend. (laughs) We ended up dating for five years. I love that story. I love both of your stories. The wave came and and left, but also just that feeling of not in my head. It wasn't about me anymore. It was about me getting to know him so I could introduce him to my friend. But it was the focus was on him. And I think that really helped me to get past all those initial challenges I had. That's great. I love that. I think that's like the problem with the games is it's like you're like just spending all this mental energy like strategizing and like thinking about like your next move. Yeah. And you're not actually just like authentically like talking to another human being. It's true. It's true. It's so lonely in that way. And the amazing thing is the amazing thing is the part of you you're most trying to cover up and not show 
is the most important part of you for finding love. Absolutely. This is what we hear too. We have people telling us that they've tried all these tricks and all these things to improve themselves to make someone like them. And then when we ask them, do you actually like this person? Like as a human being, if you removed all the <laughs> physical attraction, do you like this person as a person? And there would be a very long pause because it becomes about yeah. this a- achievement and this accomplishment, yeah. winning this trophy, it no longer com- becomes about two humans having a relationship. Yeah, yes. I think the point yes. that you made too of like covering it, because I remember like doing this, like, I think it was in the rules, that awful book that was like, yeah. never yes. text the guy first oh, and terrible. like, wait three days, like all these stupid things, right? And it's like, I think I never wanted to like look needy or like vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, even a guy friend of mine was like, just text him and say you had a good time like men like to hear that and I was like I don't want to like reveal yeah. my, throw off I my cards I don't want to be too eager exactly and it's like oh, I don't yeah. that gets you is just a man that doesn't think you're that interesting yeah <laughs> who thinks you yeah who thinks you're just right. aloof and right. I think honestly my personal opinion is like people that are playing those games and I think like what you mentioned even about yourself in the early days is like you're just not ready mm-hmm. like and that's okay that's like kind of maybe where you are right this minute mm-hmm. is that you're not ready for something real someone that is ready for something real would be turned off by someone that like was so fixated on those types of games or was kind of losing interest in all of that stuff. Absolutely. I think also we have to take into account that doing what we're talking about is like running down and up escalator. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's like the, the, the entire cultural focus is on not doing that. And I feel like I just was a victim of bad education. You know, to some degree, like I would have started way earlier doing the right thing if somebody told me that I, you know, that that would work and, and, and showed me and guided me how I just had numerous opportunities to have sex and meet new people. And I kept thinking that had to be the way. Well, I think it's like this act of being out there and Mm -hmm. like putting yourself out there and like consciously going on dates and like doing all this stuff. And sometimes it's like the hamster wheel. Like if you're not actually doing the internal work and you're just going, 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 like I definitely kind of what you said earlier resonated with me. Like there was a period of my life that I was like going out every night, like not even necessarily Mm -hmm. dating, but just like with friends. Like I was always around people all the time. And it was like not until I like started like actually spending more time alone or like a terrible breakup. But that was like a huge catalyst for myself to like really start like being kind of at one with own emotions and not just like covering them up with like other people and activities and superficial dates and all of that. Well, I blame it on the media. It's media portrayal of what this fabulous single life should be. It's about experiences. It's about having a rotating door of these characters in your life who take you to fancy dinners or crazy vacations. But on these TV shows and these in these films, you never see the conversations that are being had. (laughs) And those are the characters who truly matter. So I I blame it on the media and education that we just don't actually know what a fabulous yeah. single life should actually look right. like. Or books. I think the fact that those two were like the Amazon top sellers for dating and yeah. relationships. Selling is a fantasy a that's yeah. not real. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I now I gotta kinda go off on this a little bit about dating <laughs> advice in a few different ways. One thing is that this concept of trying to make yourself irresistible, that just breaks my heart when I hear people think that they have to become irresistible. You don't have to become irresistible to quality men. Oh, oh. (laughs) no, you have to be you. And then there's someone who you is going to be irresistible to. And that's what you have to do. But you can't do both at once. You cannot focus on the the external and like kind of shimmying it around so it looks like irresistible and still be you. As much as they say, like, be irresistible, but be authentic. Be confident, (laughs) but be authentic. It's, It's a wonderful idea. But it's just not reality. So that's one thing I want to say. But there's another one, too, which like really 
bothers me a lot. And that is this concept of like, are you going to be a truly feminine woman or are you going to be an, if if you're a woman and are you going to be an alpha male if you're a guy? Oh, yes. And I just, it just sickens me. And I cannot Mm. tell you how many men that I have worked with in my practice who've come in, like going through all those things about how to become a seducer, you know, and, and how to do that and how to keep women hanging and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's so ugly and it's so damaging and it just sucks. And for women, and somehow this kind of, I don't know why it breaks my heart even more, but I have, I have met so many powerful, accomplished women who say, I know I can't be too focused on my career or really, ex- mm. or my ambition, because I won't be feminine enough. And then I yeah. won't attract the kind of alpha man that I really want. And some of the biggest psychotherapists, the biggest teachers, the biggest spiritual figures are telling women, you have got to connect to your innate femininity and telling men, you've got to, you know, and then, you know, so many people think the men's movement is a lot better than it used to be. But the men's movement message now, I think, is very much more that men need to connect to their femininity. Masculinity and femininity are genitally related concepts. And it's not accurate. It's not accurate. We are a spectrum of attributes, which Mm -hmm. the real research around this stuff doesn't say masculine and feminine. It says expressive and instrumental. It defines people as being expressive and instrumental. And the couples where there's the most dancing and play, where both partners get to be both, are the couples that have the best sex life and the best relationships. Mm. So to all the women out there, I just want to say to you, cherish your femininity, but cherish your masculinity. Mm -hmm. Cherish all the different parts of you that make you you because there are guys out there who are looking for someone just like that. Really, truly. Let's hold that thought for a sec. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash dateable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. 
He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the walls. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love that. And I think we're both in our like mid thirties. And I feel like when we were, at least for me, when I was like growing up in high school and college and even like twenties, like it was, I heard a lot of this, like be more feminine or Mm -hmm. like men like feminine women. And then also like all these books that were like all these games that you had to play, like the rules, be the proper lady, like all this. And I feel like you just don't hear that stuff nearly as much anymore. And like, we've talked to people in their Mm -hmm. twenties and they just, they're like, what? what's the rules like I have no idea what you're even talking about and I think that's amazing that we are actually pushing through with that because I think for years that stuff has been really detrimental to make people people that they aren't yeah you can't put people in a box and that's something I've been learning this year is that there are actually no personality types you can't just be like Mm. this one personality because we're all multiple thoughts in our head that form some sort of personality sometimes. And I think how we choose to be is a choice. So in certain areas of my life, I can choose to be more feminine. In certain areas of my life, I can choose to be more masculine. But either way, that's my choice. And I shouldn't guilty about having these choices. And I shouldn't feel like I need to feel a certain way in, in, you know, my femininity or masculinity. And those words are just toxic too. Because the feminine puts you on the female side and the masculine on on the male side. I mean, I really embrace men who cry. It doesn't make them any more female or masculine. It doesn't even matter. We shouldn't put a gender association. Well, that will be gone in a few years for sure. It's It's probably already gone. But also we can't go the complete opposite way either, right? We still have to like think about who we want to be and not just let the wind blow. The wave is crashing. (laughs) The wave is going down on all of this. And, 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 who we want to be might be different than who we are. Mm. And then that's like a really kind of important point to look at. And like, that makes me think about sex. Like this is a great sex question Mm. is with your partner, what kind of things are you afraid to do? Because they kind of, I call them the electrified tripwires of gender taboo. Mm. Like when you go too far, like out of your gender, this is the best question, not only gender, but what are you afraid to do in bed? What parts of yourself are you afraid to show in bed? And that's an amazing question because sex is like an x-ray into everything. The parts of you you're afraid to show in bed are the parts of you that you're afraid to show. Oh, I I have an answer to that already. And it's very basic. It's initiating. Because I feel Uh, like it's the male's job to initiate. I I mean, obviously, that's just deeply embedded in my brain. And I need to unravel all of that. But it makes me really scared to initiate sex in bed. Interesting. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I have no problem initiating. I don't want to use that term. Yeah, I don't no even like it. masculine and feminine. Like that not. needs to go away. No, <laughs> you, you should get words. what you I want. Right? Exactly. So anyways, I guess like what are some other tools or ways that people can become like deeper daters? It's really important to know that we have these two circuitries of attraction and we can be attracted to people. I call them attractions of deprivation. And those are attractions where we're turned on because we're trying to get the other person to be the person we want them to be. And then there are attractions, which I call attractions of inspiration, where we're turned on by a person's goodness, depth, capacity, consistency, care, love generosity. And they're two different circuitries, but they both feel like love. They just feel like love in different ways. And most of us are not taught this. And I think that one thing that we could do is to notice the difference between those two circuitries of attraction. Like who are the scratch the itch guys? Who are the scratch the itch women that it ultimately doesn't work, but you can't stop scratching? Mm. Like who are those attractions? And and what's amazing is the pot of gold at the end of that rainbow is the parts of you that those people don't honor 
are the parts of you you've never learned to honor. And so unconsciously, you're trying to get this person who's never going to honor them to finally honor them. Mm. That's the underneath That's so deep. thing that happens. It, it's very deep. It's, <laughs> it's deep. And here's another one. Here's another one. This is wild. Like if you think of an attraction spectrum from zero to 10, and you think that the people who are like zero are the people you're not attracted to at all. And the people who are tens are the people who like, you get physical symptoms. You're so attracted to them. <laughs> you just you just feel sick inside with desire and clamminess and weakneedness and you feel insecure. Those people, the tens that are like that intense. Couples research shows that the reason the tens turn you on so much is because unconsciously they embody the worst characteristics of your primary caregivers. And what? unconsciously you're going back to the scene of the crime to finally get them to love you in the way that you were not loved. Whoa, oh my gosh. <laughs> what? I know. <laughs> what? Holy shit. Okay, I'm going to revisit that one tonight. I feel like I've heard stuff like that before. And it's beyond physical attraction. It is. It is like like, you know, you have to be physically attracted to someone. But what what Harville Hendricks says is that consciously you're attracted to the good qualities. Un yeah. Unconsciously, you're, you're drawn to the places where you feel like you lost love, where it fell into a chasm, where you weren't seen, where you weren't met, where your heart was broken, where you you didn't feel like the real you was ever cherished. And so you choose people who somewhere inside you know they're going to like not get that part of you either, but they really like you, and you feel like this is the perfect situation because I could get them to love me. And these are attractions of deprivation. Attractions of inspiration, you're more likely to feel the wave. Mm. So when you feel the wave, you should actually celebrate because it probably means somebody's available and you're terrified. Now, that does not mean you should be with someone you're not sexually attracted to. You you should not be with someone you're not sexually attracted to. So it's got to be someone who's right for you. It's really important to know that you've got two circuitries of attraction, you know, in a very primary way. And then I didn't ever tell you that little trick that you could do, that process mm. that you did when I was on that date. Yeah, going to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> yes, going to the bathroom. It's a fabulous process, and it's really simple. So you're on a date. And your head is going, 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 going about like, do you look right? Did you spill food on your shirt? Uh, do you like this person? Is he attractive? What is he really going to be like? What's he going to like in bed? Whatever, 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 whatever. Am I interested? Am I not? Like your head is racing early on. Mm -hmm. And that is like endless. It's like a kind of endless loop. But if you do this thing where you actually stop and you drop down, into your like guts, like we say in Jewish, your kishkas, like you're like you're you're like deep down inside self. You just drop down there and think, what's the weather like in here with this person? What do I feel like? What's the atmosphere like that I feel inside myself in the presence of this person? You'll get a different answer than what your head is telling you. Mm. And that answer mm. is really important. And that's exactly that story of like the minute you thought about your friend, you dropped out of your head and into your guts. And you were like, this guy is gold. He's really special. So that process is something that we all should do because below the mind – your insides, your guts are telling you what it really feels like with this person. So somebody may be gorgeous and sweet and funny and accomplished and sexy as hell, but you drop down inside and it's like, ooh, it just feels cold in here. Mm. Is he ever going to notice me? So that's a fabulous dating technique to kind of find out what the real truth is. And Ken, is there something physical that people can do? Maybe hand over their abdomen or deep breathing? What is, I think people want something like tactile. I think I think deep abdominal breathing is a really good way to do it. Mm. Really good way to do it. I have to say the bathroom is a fabulous <laughs> thing because when you get away from that person, you could breathe again. Yeah. And then it's easier to recognize what you're feeling. Interesting. So this has been an awesome conversation. Mm. I guess let's go into some takeaways. Yeah, I'm going to go back to we kind of a little bit went on the skin metaphor. I'm just going to go back to that. I'm, I'm going to run with it. For your skin to change, people know that it's not just surface level ointments. You have to go deep down and do laser re resurfacing because you're just trying to get to the bottom layer of your skin. I feel like with dating, 
we are constantly scratching the surface, pointing, mm-hmm. putting ointment on our surface skin right. to get rid of blemishes, to get rid of dry itchiness, whatnot. But for that skin to change permanently, you have to go deep down. Yeah. We've said this before, we'll say this again. It's that going deeper into dating does not mean the circumference of the skin. It's not about a numbers game. It's not about quantity. It's about going deeper into yourself of what you are talking about, Ken, of what, how you see love. What are you trying to find with love? Who are you deep down? What are the areas of you that you're ashamed of that you can work on and to embrace? And when you go deeper down in yourself and trusting your gut mm-hmm. and going into your gut, that's when you can see your surface skin change. And that's why I love this conversation. Because so yep. we have to go deeper. It's not a popularity contest. I have to say that again. It's not a popularity contest with all the apps that we have right now. It is That's a right. popularity contest. How many likes can you get? How many matches That's can right. you get? Who really cares? Doesn't, it does not matter. Your goal in life is not to appeal to the masses, unless if you're a celebrity. Right. That's a different story. But your goal is to find true love, whether that's in one person or just a handful of people. But it's not in the millions of people out there. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. We've been misguided in that way. And there's there's fabulous. There's a fabulous image from physics that really captures this. It's about gravity. Greater mass an object has, the more gravity it has. So the more you are you, the more self there is, the more that people around you, like the more you're authentic, the more people have a felt sense of your presence, the more powerful you become, the more mass of self there is, the more mass there is, the more gravity is, the more gravitas. And in physics, the definition of gravity is a force that brings outside objects to the center of the object that has the gravity. So when you are really you, there's a power, there's an originality, there's a glow, there's a radiance that not everyone will notice. But the people who are looking for somebody like that will be 20 times more likely to notice you Mm. when you do that. I think my takeaway, and I think I need to take my own advice here, (laughs) is like I'm always like someone that always goes for the instant connection. Mm. And I think like for me, if I don't feel like there is that, even not just with dating, but like people I meet, anyone, I feel like they're not the right person or like there's a reason why this person and I aren't a match platonically or romantically. Mm -hmm. And I love this idea of like, why cut off that option? Like, why not ride it out a little? Like, what do you have to lose of just giving it a little more time? And if you still feel that way, like you said, like you shouldn't be dating people you're not attracted to. That's not fair to them. It's not fair to you, like all around. But at the same time, like giving people a chance, letting the the wave crash. Like, I really think that's a good way to approach things. Yeah, I think that's really true. There's a lot of sensuality. There's a lot of connection on the other side of that when you, when you allow yourself to do that. And in my book, I talk a lot about that. Like, what do you do when you're only a tiny drop attracted to somebody, but you think there's a possibility? There's a lot of techniques you can do to deepen your sexual desire for someone in a case like that. That's an interesting point. It, yeah. Well, like the, yeah, the learned attraction that you said, that's a super interesting point too. People feel like they need to know right away because that's how yeah. we do things nowadays. It's how we consume content, you know, on YouTube. You that's right. watch a video yeah. five seconds, it doesn't catch your attention and you move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. But we forget that with dating, we're dealing with human beings and not content. These are not just movies playing in front of you. So for us to really gauge how we feel, we have to give everybody time. And you have to think about the flip side is that you want others to also give you that time as well. This is all very related to our question of the day. So should we do that? Yeah, let's do it. Question comes from Rebecca. She says, love the Dateable podcast. Thank you girls for helping me unravel some of my own frustrations with dating. Now I need your help. I feel very conflicted about what is the most effective way to date. I'm busy. We're all busy. So it's impossible for me to devote a lot of time to someone at first when I'm unsure about my feelings for them. Some people would argue that you should know within the first five minutes of meeting someone. Others would say everyone deserves at least three dates before really getting a feel for them. What do you all think? Can we think about this? 
kind of have an answer that a very wise person, my mentor, gave me when I was in exactly that situation. And I love his answer. I said, so I'm dating this guy and he's a nice guy, but I'm not like sexually, physically or even really romantically like excited by him. And what John said to me is keep dating him in a little bit of time. He's either going to become more beautiful to you or he's not. Mm. And then you'll know. What's the little bit of time? Yeah. I think we were talking like three dates, okay. four dates. Right. Because it's it's a balance. Like, I think there is a part that's like, I totally get what she's saying. And yeah, it's not fair to keep someone on the hook for months if you have no intention mm-hmm. to them. But like we've been saying through this whole episode is like, maybe there is a benefit of letting that wave ride out and like, see if there is something about this person. Like if you felt attracted to them, and then it went away, there was the wave attracted, then it went away. You stay, baby. Mm. You stay until you know who that person is. If there's never been attraction, then give yourself a break. Right. That's my thought. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel repulsed by the person, probably no need to spend time. I think a good gauge is like, one, are you excited to hang out with them? If like you're dreading it and you're like, I really wish I didn't agree to this. Like I'd rather be sitting. I've had dates before that I'm like, I'd rather be sitting at home by myself watching TV. Oh, then that's not a good sign. And I'm like, this is a sign that this is not the right person, right? Like that's a bad sign. So there's that. I think also like if they touch you and you're like, squirming Mm -hmm. that's not a great sign either like it doesn't have to be like full-on makeout but if they give you like a touch like pat on your shoulder you're like yeah (laughs) running for the hills yeah i i guess if you feel like there's a baseline friendship because i don't feel repulsed by my friends that i'm not sexually attracted to right like like what i'm saying is if you feel like you could hang out with this person as a friend you should definitely see them again. But if you feel yes. like there's not even a baseline friendship right. there, right. then there really is no need to pursue right. that. I, I don't love formulas, but I do think this one works, which is maybe it's not three dates, but I think if you are in three different circumstances with, mm. with someone, it's a good gauge of your attraction. One is nice. something very casual. Maybe it's like a walk or a hike that takes a long period of time, like three to four hours. So you can just do nothing together and see what that feels like. Two is something, an activity where you're both a little bit new at or you're fearful of trying out something new together for the first time. And the third one is a nice dinner and where you get dressed up, it's in a formal atmosphere and you have these like more formal conversations. Mm. I think those are the three circumstances you can put yourself through before you get reach that conclusion whether you want to pursue That's this lovely. any further. I love that. It's not like just go on three drink dates with a person. Yeah, and it's you're not going right. to gauge much from that. Right, you're just like going to be brothers. super confused each and time. And liver problems. <laughs> Awesome. So Ken, if people want your help, how can they reach you? <laughs> okay, here's how. They can go to deeperdatingpodcast.com or deeperdating.com. They can find my podcast, which is called Deeper Dating Everywhere. They can go to the bookstore and get Deeper Dating the book. Or Amazon. So um I'm assuming. on Amazon. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like bookstores that exist. Too. What? <laughs> I miss bookstores. I'm 62. Um so deeperdatingpodcast.com or deeperdating.com. You can find out about uh, my intensives. I do some very deep six months intensives with people. I teach classes. My podcast shares a lot, a lot of this information and my book as well. A soothing voice too. I, know. I feel like the I... podcast is just gonna be like pure bliss. Oh, <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm less anxious by the, by the minute here. Um, <laughs> give us a glimpse into what the Deeper Dating podcast is about. Oh, sure. I'd love to. I'd love to. There's so much material that can help people turn this kind of hellish needle in a haystack thing into actually a journey of empowerment and healing and stuff that works that we don't get taught. So in this podcast, I answer people's questions. I bring in guests who I think you know, are doing really good and important work. And I'd love to bring you guys in. Oh, we are down. If I could. <laughs> Done. Good. Let's schedule this now. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. 
So, you know, wonderful people who are doing great work. And I guide people through all of these stages, the kind of things that we talked about. I teach you how to do it. And in every episode, you end up doing an exercise or a process that's your takeaway. Mm-hmm. It's like the, 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 the kind of the prize in the box that, okay. that helps you take this and kind of transform your journey in very real ways. Love it. The last podcast, though, I talked about my dad and his passing. He's a Holocaust survivor. Wow. And uh, the lessons of love I learned from him. Wow. So I talk about lots of different things. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ken. Yeah, this has been incredible. Being on our show and for inviting us to be on your show. We're going to hold you to it because we have it on record now. (laughs) It's on recording. (laughs) It's on recording. (laughs) But I do want to reach out to all of our listeners and talk about this idea of having a journey. And I, I love having this mindset of seeing this as a journey as opposed to a burden or a job. This should be fun. Self-work is fun. You discover so many new things about yourself and the people around you. Mm -hmm. So if you want to share your journey with us out there, whether it's you're at the beginning of a journey or in the middle of it, come on our show. We want to hear about it. We want to see what was that aha moment that changed your life to get on this journey. And that's always so wonderful to know. Or if you are just so lost about how to even start this self-work, work and how to go deeper come on our show we'll bring some experts on to help you get started so where wherever you are in that journey spectrum we would love to have you as a or guest or because we love to hear all perspectives if you are dead set that rules and games oh, work yeah we want to hear from you too prove that. us wrong let's hear it good one julie <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. I, w- I really like to hear from that perspective. And for people who are in serious relationships who are still on that journey. I mean, yeah, come that's on. a this really journey, good point. It does not really end. Really it does it. not end at all. Dating, you never yeah. stop dating your spouse. You just nope. don't. Right. Or good things don't go from yeah. that. <laughs> uh, Ken, how long have you been with your husband? Uh, almost nine years. Oh, coming up on yeah. that 10 year anniversary. Very yeah, cool. we're getting there. We want to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. That's our goal. Oh, I did that last year. I, yeah. I'd be happy to share some tips with you. Oh, yeah. great, great, great. Yeah. We'll talk. You'll have a great time <laughs> on your Was podcast. It <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> Deeper dating. Kilimanjaro. <laughs> that's how you ultimately find out if that person is in or yeah. out. Well, actually, that's yeah, going to be right, ultimate right, test right. for you. Because the whole time I kept thinking, I would never do this hike with my boyfriend. I would just, I would kill him. <laughs> Before you cut someone off, take him there. Take him to Kilimanjaro. Right, yes. <laughs> Fabulous. Thank you again, Ken. We're going to wrap this up today. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Datable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag StayDatable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.